Hi everyone, it's Michelle with Studio City Now. And today my guest is Rich Bauman. Did I pronounce it right? You did. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for joining me. We've been Facebook friends for, oh, forever. Or a little while, yeah. <laughs> Which, whichever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both musicians, so that's a good thing. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thank you. I mean, I've gone to some of your links, not all of them, because you sent me more this morning. And I'm just so excited to talk to you because you've done so many cool, cool things. Well, are you celebrating Elizabeth Taylor's birthday today? I should. <laughs> I didn't realize it was. Oh, my gosh. Let me douse myself with passion perfume. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and get married eight times. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I don't think there's eight guys who want to marry me, but whatever. <laughs> so how are you this morning? I, <laughs> I am doing great. I have my 7-Eleven coffee. I see you have a guitar. I do. So I'm not sure where to start. Um, let's do a song first, then we'll talk. Just an old house with stories of its own. It takes me back to days gone by. Colors are fading. Steps are made of stone. An aging friend against the sky. When I was a boy, I grew to love this land the house that my granddaddy's hands had made. The walls are very sturdy to every kind of wind, because everything he made, he made that way. The fires of love are burning And broken hearts are mended too Under one roof Many lessons have been learned And simple dreams can still come true I've been gone Far too long it seemed, but I always knew that I'd come back someday. Now my life is one I share with you. We can build this love in a country way. Under one roof. The fires of love are burning And broken hearts are mended too Under one roof Many lessons have been learned And simple dreams can still come true There's a place in this world for me and you
place for me and you where dreams come true. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's an original? That was written by Bill Miller. Oh. I was um, at the Mole Lake Bluegrass Festival many years back. And um, I, I had told all my friends, I'd been there a couple of times. And I told all my friends, I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm getting on that stage no matter what. And I was playing my fiddle off in the, in the background and nobody could hear me. There were speaker columns the size of semi-trailers. John McEwen was playing and he stopped and he said, that fiddle player knows what he's doing. And I was a hundred yards away. I said, get him up here right now. Wow. <laughs> and this this was on a Friday afternoon and there was thousands, about 10,000 people. And, uh, you know, I got up and I, I just played my fiddle along with him and he the stage crew came out and they got a microphone and I mean, they passed, there was a six foot chain link fence 10 feet from the stage to keep the crowd off the stage, you know, and they passed me over the top of that and and got me up there and uh, and then he gave me a stage pass and said you're going to meet, you know, somebody while you're while you're here and i got to pick with doc and merle and john hartford and the carter family all all this stuff was going on backstage in the basement of the stage and uh, and then i walked around and i i met this guy picking a big 12 string guitar and his name was gene and within five minutes we had magic happening and we we were going to be partners and uh, and I thought it's the big stage I have arrived. And when I got to his place, he was living in a, a teepee made out of an old army tarp. And he had, it had a double bed and a wood stove. And he was working on building a cabin on his little quarter acre of land up in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> and um, it wasn't the big time. <laughs> but it sounds like that changed your life. But I actually, Muriel Anderson was doing a, a broadcast with John McEwen a week or two back, and I and I just posted a little excerpt of that story, and then John started talking about those days at Mole Lake, and <laughs> I went back there many times. And during that same time backstage, I met Bill Miller. I knew I'd get around to what story I was telling, <laughs> and and Bill said, "Hey, come and do my set with me," and. Uh, so I, I did a set with Bill. I had never met him before. And then the next week, he invited me to do a set with him at the Shawano Old Time Music and Craft Festival in, in Shawano, Wisconsin. And meanwhile, I had joined a band with these other guys. And so that band was at Shawano. And uh, so things just kind of fell together. They had a, a Voyagers encampment at the Shawano Old Time Music and Craft Festival. And it was kind of like a, kind of like Ren Fairs and they have Voyager encampments and they have all these different things. And, and so I was picking with some people in that encampment and I told them I was doing the show that evening. And they said, well, you are gonna costume yourself in a period costume. I said, well, I hadn't really given it any thought. And Somebody turned up a Cambridge shirt for me and they had a buckskin jacket that I could borrow and and I had a bearskin pouch that a friend of mine had given me and nobody had any leggings to, to spare, but somebody said, well, a kilt or a loincloth would be appropriate 
period costume. So I ended up on stage wearing a loincloth. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, who came from the Stockbridge Reservation, he was just wearing jeans, cowboy boots, <laughs> ordinary, ordinary civilized clothing. <laughs> <laughs> He took me uh, to do a concert in a hockey arena on Walpole Island, about 20 miles from Detroit, but you had to go 40 miles to cross the border and then 20 miles back. So immediately I got to put international performer on my resume. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. You can't get to some parts of Michigan without going into Canada. I've never been to those parts of Michigan. I, I've been around the lake numerous times. Mm-hmm. I've never Is been better... to Michigan. Well, something to look forward to. <laughs> Be sure and bring your parka if it's winter. <laughs> and a warmer bathrobe. <laughs> so you are quite the storyteller, which, um, you know, we've talked before. And then this um life is life your influence well i i can't think of an alternative or a funny way to answer that (laughs) right and i didn't phrase it quite the way i wanted it to because i always say what are your influences but then it's like oh my gosh everything you've done well in shawano wisconsin i met Mm -hmm. a guy named skip jones he was the director of the festival and um, he was uh, he he brought me into his little studio to to do some um, some session work with a a lady, mm-hmm. and um, I was playing my fiddle and uh, on on some tracks for her and then a few other things and and then he would have these monstrous solstice gatherings where he'd he'd be out and invite come on over to my place for solstice and. When, one year I was there and they, they had 400 people. Oh my gosh. At the gathering. And um, one day he said, well, Rich, you know, you're pretty good. You might get famous, but you might not. And he said, and you could spend a lot of effort trying and you still might not. He said, or you could apply yourself to singing for communities of people that will love you. And, um, the next week I opened up the Milwaukee Yellow Pages and there was 99 nursing homes. And uh, the first four calls I made, I got three bookings. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on the right track. <laughs> and I also said, my price must be really low to be closing 75% of my cold calls. <laughs> <laughs> and as I worked my way through adjusting those things, um, I've I've now done programs in over 2000 senior communities. Oh my gosh. And hundreds of schools and libraries and it all I I initiated every bit of <laughs> I I have not figured out what what it's trying to to alert me to. Oh. It's a new phone. I don't have a 10-year-old to teach me how to operate it so I, I figured out how to turn it off though. Well, that's like, um, I have this iPhone 11 and I just went to YouTube and started Googling stuff. 
I don't have oh, a time I've, either. I've spent hours trying to get an education on how to make it do what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> but yesterday anyway, morning, uh -huh. yesterday morning, I had it plugged in and I could just barely reach it over there. I hadn't touched it in, in an hour and suddenly it says calling dot, 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 and it rattled off the number. And so it called a library that I had actually called the night before, but on its own with no input from me. And it's like, gee, I wonder what it's doing when I'm sleeping. There's a song in that. <laughs> well, my old phone, my it doesn't like my calloused fingers or my fingernail fingers on the screen, but my beard will send it places who knows where. <laughs> I um I have a dog that I walk. It's a big dog. So I think she kind of walks me. And I put my phone in a pouch with a headset on. And out of nowhere, I'll the pouch starts dialing people. And even though it's locked, I'm like, what is going on? Do 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 do. Well, they're watching you. <laughs> I'm not paranoid, but I know they're after me looking around. <laughs> so anyway, but there is a song in that. I know it. There's songs everywhere. I know. I've heard um, good ones and I've heard not so um, good ones. <laughs> well, I've, I've taken some training and, and I took one course. I think it was called Speed Songwriting and it was very inexpensive. So I actually bought it uh, on the internet. Mm -hmm. And the first um, assignment is write a bad song. And he said, now it takes all the pressure away because you know it's going to be a bad song. So you don't have to worry about it. Just get, you know, give it a beginning, a middle and end. And as soon as it's done, put it in the drawer, write another bad song. <laughs> and as soon as you're done with that, write another bad song. It, you know, and it, the, the whole idea was to you know, to, to turn off the editor and, uh, and do something. Well, I, um, years ago, I'm going back. When was Reagan president? That far long ago. I was asked to write like a 30 second jingle. And I have a friend who likes to write, which is cool. And I said, you know, if you want to work on this project with me, but it's for diapers. So she comes up with a lyric Mr. Reagan, you smack of the Antichrist. I'm like, it's for diapers, not political, but you smack of the Antichrist? Well, that's certainly going to appeal to a diaper company. And um, all I could say is, you know, that's a great lyric, but it's not for somebody's poopy pants. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always remembered that. It was like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, actually, Mr. Reagan was quite useful. Back in 1986, I moved to Madison, Wisconsin to sing on State Street. I had seen people busking on the street, and I didn't start playing guitar till I was 29. Oh, wow. And you're tw I 31 now, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was, um, I had 20 acres of land um, after I had that experience at the bluegrass festival um my partner uh gene musical partner said i know this 20 acres of national forest land that's for sale three of the borders were national forest so uh, i i bought that piece of land and my taxes were 80 dollars a year oh my god 
on 20 acres of land and the three borders were the national forest itself and the other border was two five acre and a 10 acre parcel and the person who owned the 10 acre parcel had never seen the land in the time i owned the land i never ran into the the, the five acre parcel where there was a power pole and an outhouse and i spent i I moved my trailer up there and we couldn't get it up the hill. And so I spent uh, about six months on this other guy's land I, where there was a power pole and an outhouse. <laughs> and the, the other parcel was a, a hunting club. And I did did meet some of those people. They'd be there on weekends. And and I, I'm not sure if they ever did much hunting. They certainly did lots of drinking. <laughs> and they were nice people. <laughs> wow now you said and so then me. after that after that i came to madison to sing on stage I, I started playing guitar due to utter frustration trying to depend on other musicians when it came to business and livelihood and uh, such things <laughs> because they smacked of the antichrist <laughs> oh well i had a song uh, my friend pat wrote he goes, what you going to eat, Mr. Reagan, now that you vetoed the farm credit bill? Are you and Nancy going to plant a little garden up on Capitol Hill? Oh, I love it. <laughs> and so when I was doing street music, I learned very quickly that if I engaged people before, the guys who were out there just strumming and singing, you know, got dimes and quarters in their guitar case. And um, I quickly learned to just tell people, hey, stop for a song. And um, if they stopped, the commitment level was increased. Yeah, there's probably going to be folding money. And so I would say, what kind of a song would you like? And they would inevitably tell me, oh, play Johnny Cash or James Taylor. And I'd say, you know, James does not do any of my songs. <laughs> and I meant what type of song? Would you like a love song or a song about a dead cat? And of course, the answer to that question didn't matter one bit, uh, except I, I did have one of each to, to present. But in answering that question, the listener was raising the commitment level another notch. And so certain people I would offer a love song. Other people I would say, would you like an anti-Danny Quayle song <laughs> or a song about a dead cat? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I came to Madison for an education. You know, it's the University of Wisconsin, Bucky Badger. And uh, some of those people, you know, were paying $20,000 a semester. And I was hanging out on State Street and making and I made my entire living busking for a year and then I knew I could do anything I wanted forever during that time I recorded a solo album I, I mm -hmm. saved up a couple thousand dollars and and spent it in the studio one evening I was telling people stop for a song stop for a song and nobody was stopping and I would, and I I look and then in a, the next storefront 20 feet away there was this guy kind of watching me from a distance and I said Hey, what kind of song you want? He says, play your favorite. And I did. And, and he approached while I was singing and picked up my cassette tape. This wasn't the actual one, but, but he picked one up and he said, Hey, play me this whistlers and jugglers song. And I did. And he said, 
oh, can I show you something? And I would never hand my guitar to somebody on the street, but for some reason I did. And mm -hmm. he played the, the same song back to me a little differently. I said, you wrote that song, didn't you? And he said, yep. It was Shell. Shell. Silverstein. Oh my God. And I, I said, well, Shell, I owe you enough money for a good dinner for royalty on, on my recording here. And he says, oh, nonsense. I'm glad you're keeping my song alive. Waylon never did shit with it. <laughs> so Waylon had recorded it on a less than successful album. <laughs> That's funny. And well, I ran into Shell numerous times. He had a daughter going to school in Madison. And so uh -huh. he, would, he would show up. Uh, one day I turned around in my antique mall booth and there was Shell. And uh, <laughs> one day I was having lunch with a young young woman and they ushered Shell to the, to the next table. The rest is history. Actually, I was in my, my van after doing a, a program at a, a senior place and the day that they announced that he had died. When did he die? I've got my phone out. But I think you'd know better than I do. Well, some sometime in the on the other side of yesterday. Got it. <laughs> which is a a definite song prompt. <laughs> it, it was a, prob, somewhere probably about fifteen years ago, I think. Yeah, I vaguely remember the other side of yesterday. Did you write a song with that title? Not yet. You will. There's so there's so many. There are so many. <laughs> wow. God, amazing. So when is your book coming out? <laughs> you know, I I had about 30 pages typed into a, a, a Mac Plus, or maybe it was a Mac SE, back a long time ago. And uh, suddenly it, it crashed. <laughs> and I, I, I do a little bit of writing. I, I, I write poetry and songs. And, and I do write an account of you know, some of the things I do. And my wife says, you can't be a writer. You don't know how to spell and your typing is atrocious. <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't matter. I know. But all this stuff you've done. Now, you said you moved to Madison. Where did you move from? Well, I had this uh, this land in the North Woods and I split up with my ex and, and uh, so it didn't make much sense to to stay up there. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I left the North Woods and I went to Sheboygan where I grew up. And uh, which is a, Sheboygan, Wisconsin is between Milwaukee and Green Bay, right okay. on Lake Michigan. And I had leftover landscaping business there. I always had enterprises going on. Uh, I was the kid knocking on the door with something for sale or dragging my lawnmower down the down or, or my snow shovel. I have been in this same house 30 years with my wife and we have never once had a kid at the door with a snow shovel when it was snowing. Amazing, unbelievable. It's also a different time and it's not as safe as it was when you and I were growing up. But um, I remember my brother mowing lawns and we're from New York. And at that time in the um, olden days, 
in the 50s. <laughs> um, I mean, they were like 10 year olds with a shoe shine business. Oh, you were in the city or? or... We were in the Bronx. I mean, uh, I wasn't 10, but. In 2008, I got invited to New York to sing with Pete Seeger. And I had a narrow time window. And so I booked myself two little preschool shows in Hastings on Hudson. And independently of that, they told me that the Clearwater Festival was a rough camping festival. I said, oh, I haven't done any camping in many years. Oh, we have a house for you. Uh, my host lives three quarters of a mile independently, three quarters of a mile from where I had booked two gigs. And one of the preschools had been somewhere where her son had gone uh, 15 years prior or something like that. Do, do you watch Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh my gosh, I love it. They have a game called Forward and Reverse. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is kind of like that. I, I'm not sure where, where we are reversing to. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> Favorite song of the 40s. I don't care if it rains or freezes as long as I got my plastic Jesus sitting on the dashboard of my car. <laughs> I've heard that song. Um, I can't remember who I heard it from. It was like a Chevy commercial, I think. Oh, YouTube. I'll find it on YouTube and send it. Well, I, 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 I had a partner named Grunt that I met at the Bluegrass Festival prior to the story I told you before. And I had met him the first time I, I got there. I had my old 66 passenger school bus and I pulled in and crawled in a bunk in the back and slept for a while. I was about a week early and um, I got up and there was ground fog about Ooh. waist high and i start walking because i could i could kind of hear as i as i was exploring a little bit i could kind of hear a guy singing in the distance so i ran back and got my fiddle and about 25 yards from the campsite i got my fiddle out of the case and i came out of the fog playing along and it was this guy named grunt and he was he, he liked to sing Hank Williams songs and, and Willie Nelson songs and the green, green grass of home. And, and we jammed until the sun came up. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, then uh, the, the next year, um, I had been playing in a band called Buffalo Joe in, in Sheboygan. Mm -hmm. And they fired me. And uh, that was when I... I, I went back and and uh, ran into Grunt again. And I said, Grunt, come to Sheboygan. I'll get us some gigs. And that was early 1980s. And uh, a couple of weeks later, he showed up and uh, and I got us a Wednesday evening gig at the Skipper Inn Tavern. And our fee was 35 bucks and a case of beer. And <laughs> we were always welcome at the party after bar time. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the 80s, 35 a night, that was about average, I guess. And, and Grant was missing his two front teeth. 
and he would stand a little bit too close to you. He didn't have that, that personal space sensibility. And one night when we got done playing, the bar owner was gonna stiff us for part of the fee. And he got in the guy's face and did the pointing in the chest thing. And he says, do you remember why they sent me to prison? Would you like to be the reason I had to go back? And the money was forthcoming immediately after that. <laughs> In non-sequential, unmarked bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did that two different times. I, I haven't done a bar gig in decades and i have not had to threaten anybody to get my money <laughs> and you know i i never have I, I mean i have audiences that are not smoking and drinking generally uh, although once in a while the nursing home does give them a uh a, a drink <laughs> <laughs> they, they seem to be fond of having friday afternoon happy hour <laughs> and happy pills <laughs> Oh, well, they have happy pills. Wow. So have you always been a musician? Well, it all started when I got expelled from nursery school. <laughs> I knew I liked you. <laughs> what um, do you do to get expelled from nursery well, school? Well, those church ladies could not keep a hold of me. And they were frantically searching what happened to little Ricky, you know, and uh, and they heard the... Uh, the bass rumble of the pedals of the pipe organ coming to life. And they called my mom and said, don't bring him back here anymore. And, um, and then I found the accordion in the attic. <laughs> and so I, I took it apart and, 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 and fixed it. I was four years old. Uh huh. And so they got me accordion lessons and, um, Every once in a while, the other day, I remembered the song Alley Cat. I, I don't play the accordion any longer. I, I did buy a beautiful one, and my wife is really unhappy that it's been here for two years, and I haven't gotten it out of the case yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first thing I did the day I turned 18 was sold my beautiful Scrandelli accordion, and I was, I was really intent on being the next Keith Emerson. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, but those, I, I didn't have any concept of there being fiddle in any kind of, you know, music that I would like to be involved in. My career really started the day after a friend of mine and I went to see Kansas. And during the, the fiddle solo in Dust in the Wind, I, I did the elbow nudge and said, I could have played that when I was in, you know, junior high. And the mm -hmm. next day I got my fiddle out and went down to the to the local music store and started picking with a few people here and there. And within a couple of days, I was in a band. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the rest is history. Well, the rest was, I was pretty, you know, I, I was pretty serious about let's go. And um, the one, uh, one band I was, was in, they were very settled family people with, you know, weekend bar gigs and 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 I was somewhere on my way to something I and here we are <laughs> many years later 
And I love the fact, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you've got all these nursing home gigs and library gigs. I love working with librarians. You know, in, in a nursing home, the person who books the entertainment may have to be a, a CNA and, you know, besides. And um, so there's a, a level and I've felt like I was at the absolute ceiling of the pay grade, you know, for the past 25 years doing that. But I love working with, you know, I, I absolutely love working in hospice when I get the opportunity, but uh, they're going away. So I don't have many repeat engagements, you know. Right. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> there for one performance. <laughs> well, and I work, I've worked with a thousand Alzheimer's groups. Really? Music must really help them. Well, and after I came back from spending most of a month at a mastery course led by Tony Robbins, uh, I went to Hawaii for, for, for his mastery course. And uh, there were, were 90 trainers, about 1200 people. And uh, walking on fire was, of course, the opening exercise. And standing, I, I just was looking at a, a album with some pictures of me standing on the top of a 50 foot telephone pole. And then this, the next picture was me having a hold of the trapeze 12 feet away, You're looking really? over the over the roof of the uh, uh, of the hotel at the ocean. And, and so those things that I learned from him have been extremely applicable to people with dementia and mm -hmm. children. So I, I, I've made use of those those tools in my communication, my languaging, you know, everybody builds their internal world in visual and auditory and kinesthetic parts. And then like being right-handed or left-handed, they all have one where they're the most comfortable. You can tell somebody who's really visual because they talk really fast because the picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> and if somebody's very kinesthetic, the thoughts might not actually be connected to words. And uh, so in order to have rapport with each individual, and I was studying that to be a better performer, and um, in, instantly after I came back, I had dramatic experiences with people. Uh, and I, I started doing workshops for caregivers. And um, I got into this Alzheimer's home and there was this guy named Ernie. And the minute I was, was playing, the staff all disappeared out to the backyard to smoke. And Ernie took off all his clothes. Ernie did? Ernie did, yeah, and crawled on the floor, and the gal came in and um, hustled him quickly away and got him dressed and brought him back. And at the end of my program, when I shook hands with Ernie, he was he started just going wonder, 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 wonder. He couldn't get the whole word wonderful out. He was very, very aphasic. And the director happened to observe my interaction at the at the end. I love the way you relate to these people. I want you to come every week. And so the next week I was telling a story about horses and I caught Ernie's eye. I said, Ernie, do you ever have any horses? Of course, I grew up on a farm. Just as clearly as, you know, and you could have heard a pin drop. No one had ever heard Ernie speak before. Well, the next week I was talking about horses because that's a common theme in small town 
Midwest, horses mm -hmm. and farming. And, and I said, Ernie, how many horses did you have? Six, seven, eight, nine, and some I can't remember just as clearly. And the director happened to observe that interaction. And she said, oh, Rich, we've been caring for Ernie for three, three whole months and never had an intelligible response from him before. And the result, that was because Ernie got motivated. He yeah. got motivated by the subject, got motivated by, you know, my opening up the door for him. And the music was definitely a portion of that. And um, the minute he was motivated, that gave him access to the resources that he, that nobody in his life thought he still possessed. Well, it also sounds like he had possibly had a stroke too. Well, there's many reasons for dementia. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it could be Alzheimer's, it could be stroke, it could be uh, Parkinson's dementia. My, my work really prepared me to spend time with my father. He had Parkinson's mm -hmm. and um, he had been an engineer in an aluminum foundry and he worked at the same place for 27 years and then they dismissed him when he was 62. They pushed him out. He was starting to have some symptoms. Before long, he was sitting in a wheelchair a lot of the time. And my dad was a very articulate, intelligent man. He, he had majored in Greek in college. He was planning to be a missionary. And um, then um, I'm, I grew up in a in a house where there was an entire wall of books. And uh, when my dad was aging, he um, got very hunchbacked. His breathing was very shallow. And uh, I came back from this training I did in Hawaii. And I said, hey, dad, can you remember a time when you felt powerful and resourceful? And he started to tell me a story about 30 years prior when he'd had a job and he'd gone in to ask for a raise and said the check came and he said there was no raise he says I marched into the boss's office and said this is my notice and he hit the table when he said this and he said it with considerably more energy and I reached out and I squeezed his shoulder a little bit and said dad when you remember that is there a picture in your mind and he said yeah I said is is it in color or black and white is it moving or still is it panoramic or does it have borders? And for every detail he supplied, every descriptive detail he added, his energy level increased. And within a couple minutes time, he could have been addressing 25 people in a room with perfect clarity. And I said, well, dad, how would you sit different right now to feel more powerful and resourceful? And he hiked himself up in the chair. He said, how would you breathe different? <sighs> Sucked in a deep breath. I didn't tell him any of those things. I asked him and in, and I squeezed his shoulder in the same way repeatedly. And I created that neural anchor to that squeeze, to my voice, to the questions. And after, and, and then I got him giggling and you ever lose it where you can't stop laughing? Oh yeah. <laughs> I got him laughing like that and I reached out and I squeezed his shoulder instantly right right back to that power state and after about a half an hour we were just having a great time and my mom walked in the door and instantly whew, right back to that little old man but the beauty 
was that for the remainder of the next 12 years, the remainder of his life, I could trigger that state every time to greater or lesser degrees. And two days before he died, I, I had uh, an accessible arts program in Green Bay that I was performing for. And on the way I stopped and at five to seven in the morning, I walked in the, and they had him already down to the dining room and they were spoon feeding him his mush. And uh, he, with Parkinson's, there's a lot of difficulty in swallowing. So I was talking to the gal who was taking care of him and she said, well, that's, your work is pretty touchy feely stuff. And I said, well, dad, tell Mary about what you told him when the check came without, without having a raise on it. And he spent about a minute and with swallowing disorder, turning your head helps and it takes a lot of time. After about a minute, he came around with a big grin and he said, I told him to put it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> and so uh, I had uh, I had a gig with an Alzheimer's place in Sheboygan every two weeks for that final year of my dad's life. And and um, after he died, my mom said, well, you really knew, you know, my work really prepared me. I was I started going going and hanging out with him once a week for for about two months right up till the end. Wow. Amazing. And this was from the, you learned this technique from the Tony Robbins? Well, I, I, yes, I, I, I learned, I learned more at a weekend seminar in Chicago from Tony Robbins than I ever learned in any year of education. And I was motivated. So that gave me access to those resources, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's a book there. You've got to write it. You're not the first person who said I should write a book. <laughs> and I won't be the last. <laughs> I don't know if people buy books but <laughs> anymore. And uh, I, I know if it's not senior font, I have a magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you saw these on me. Yeah. Not a strong prescription, but... but a Vance Gilbert... Cool. Vance Gilbert led a songwriter performance workshop and he said if you can manage it take off your glasses when you're performing he says unless they're a part of your persona he says otherwise the lenses just reflect and people can't see your eyes and so if I really know a song if I remember and I'm making a video I take off my glasses obviously if I'm reading the lyrics then i put them back on <laughs> i know the feeling and my font is big <laughs> that's the beauty of the computer i can't read the menu stuff in the little dialogue boxes very well but but i can increase the size of anything i really want to read and i found when i wake up i can't see anything it takes like 20 minutes before things get into focus i see I don't know if that happens with you. <laughs> That's what coffee is for. Oh my gosh. My second cup of, the first one was 7-Eleven. Second one I made at home. So I'm going to wrap this up. Not that I want to, but you know, Zoom only gives me so much time. <laughs> oh, I have never initiated Zoom. I've, I've been trying to educate myself little by little. I have friends and I said, I'll make a pot roast teach me how to use this. So we spent like two days and I'm still learning. Uh -huh. 
like with me, it's got to be hands-on because once I get the basics, I can do all the YouTubes. So let's close with a song. I was getting this guitar refretted more than once a year. Wow, I love you. My wife just offered to rehab my coffee for me. <laughs> ah, and what's her name? Pardon me? What's your wife's name? Shirley. Shirley. Wonderful does, person. We, we, we do a little bit of writing together when we're riding in the car together. And um, I took her to Cape Cod to uh, a David Roth songwriters retreat twice in January. Two, oh, geez. And one of the years it was so cold and nasty and she wasn't feeling terrifically well. And she said, I don't know if I could go. And I said, well, I spent a thousand dollars on the tuition. So if you're going to be miserable, you might as well be miserable there as, as not. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time we got to Rockford, Illinois, I could tell she couldn't stand it. So I pulled in and, and took the Motel 6 there. And the next morning it was 35 below zero. Oh and the windshield washer was frozen and the road was covered with slushy, nasty stuff. And every few minutes I had to pull over and just grab some snow to clean the windshield from the salty slush. And um, by the time we got to Youngstown, Ohio, it was like a spring day. <laughs> And we actually had breakfast on the out on the porch in P Town. <laughs> and you wrote this song. No, this song actually, my my newest song. I've been uh, this one's been waking me up in the morning. Twenty five years ago, I met a lady named Mary. What you doing, Mary? She said, "I'm crocheting." What you making? I'm making a washcloth. A washcloth? Yeah. I'm 97 years old. I might not have time to make an afghan. <laughs> and for years, I, I thought I was going to write a song called Washing My Face in Grandma's Love, which is nice and warm and fuzzy, but I just never got anywhere with it. And I finally, as I learned to follow the path a little bit farther around the bend, uh, the 1st of February, I, I wrote this one. As the years fade away, since you learned to crochet, she likes to make something each day. She made something special for each of the kids. She always had something to give. Time has its way moving on. Her kids now have families with kids of their own. They've all moved away. They have dreams of their own. And they live in new places called home. She spends the day all alone. As the years fade away, Learn to crochet. 
hook and the yarn have been with her so long. Old friends here to stay with her every day. As she rocks, she's not really alone. Time has its way. It keeps moving on. Her grandkids have families with kids of their own. They have all moved away. They have dreams of their own, and they live in new places called home. As she rocks in her chair, she's alone. Time has its way, it keeps moving on. Her grandkids have families with kids of their own. They will all move away. They'll have dreams of their own and they'll live in new places called home. As she rocks, she's not really alone. With her yarn, she's always at home. I don't think she's ever alone. Oh my God, that's beautiful. I, I recorded that the day I wrote it, and then the next day it started to change. And mm -hmm. I, I made a video that I've been sharing um, for several weeks, and I'm still, I'm I'm still working the ending to figure out how to how to smoothly say the things that I I have to say. If I leave her all alone, I'm I'm just probably an indictment to the people who aren't visiting, and. Uh, so I'm still working on it. It still wakes me up in the morning. But it's so beautiful. I meanwhile, love the parts and oh. Meanwhile, I've collected at least 20 or 30 lines that I think, oh, there's a line. Just incredible. Thank you so, so much. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to... Uh, a long friendship and uh... me too me too it's been a pleasure talking to you and i'll send you the link all right thanks so much have a great day thank you chat soon okay bye-bye bye-bye